I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore, this is Roger coming to you on November 1st, Tuesday. I know last week we said we were back to our regular time, but I hadn't counted on Halloween apparently, and neither had the lads. So yes, uh, we had a fantastic night last night, here at least. It wasn't actually too, too busy, but I played Batman during Halloween, guys. I don't know about Batman. you, but it was it was Batman. the best. When are you going to play Batman? And ironically... The first kids to come to the door, and I'd been playing for about a half hour by that point, so I'm sucked into the story having a blast. First kids to come to the door are the neighbor's kids that are just cute as can freaking be. And one's a fireman. Who's the other one? He's Batman. And I was like, oh, you rule. So I was about to say, if it was Riddler, I would open the door just by reflex. Screw your challenges! You know what? I've actually been skipping them just so that I could do the story because, again, bastard. I've put in a couple of hours already on in addition to the rest that I've done, and I'm still only at 10%. So, But I'm getting so sucked into the story that when I see the Riddler challenge, if it's not immediately noticeable and easy, it's like, screw that, and I pass it. You poor bastard. I know. By the sound of it, I should be going back and you doing some to. of those. Because I, I grabbed as much as I could along the way. And basically the way the game is set up is the Riddler has some people he's holding hostage. And he'll only give you the locations if you've proven yourself worthy and solved enough of his mysteries. So I think by the time I finished the story mode, I'd saved two out of the five hostages. I was like, oh, damn, I need to collect a lot of these things. I spent my entire Saturday tracking down Riddler trophies, the riddles, the the, the combat challenges, etc. And I was like, okay, fourth hostage fifth hostage awesome oh crap i still need to catch the fucking riddler okay counting catwoman the catwoman content there are 440 oh, riddler challenges yep. in the game in order to complete the quest line you need 400 that means if you don't have catwoman you need every single one in the bloody game like i got like 25 out of the 40 for catwoman so that was 25 less i had to get with batman thankfully that's ridiculous that's nuts and so awesome. af after I completed the story mode, I spent a good eight or nine hours doing nothing but gathering up Riddler crap. You <laughs> and don't what? get me wrong. It was fun. I, I loved the, the puzzles, figuring the stuff out, finding all the little hidden things here and there. It was enjoyable. But that's the kind of shit that I probably won't do because I'm finding that what's happening is that as I'm playing, whenever I'm seeing the Riddler challenges, unless, of course, it's easy. 
you see it and it's like, okay, I see what they're going to do kind of thing. I'm not bothering with it because it takes me out of the story and out of the action. And I'm finding that I'm having at where I'm at now, I'm having so much fun with the story that I don't want to get out of it. Like I'm right now, I just got out of the, uh, no, he's damn it. Is he still in the museum or he just got out? He hasn't, he hasn't gotten freeze yet. Um, okay. So I was in the museum with the freaking shark. Dude, that was hilarious. <laughs> I got eaten a number of times. But um, but the museum part has just been a blast. Oh, yeah. And so while I'm in there, it's like I don't want to do none of the freaking Riddler challenges. Even when I had to go outside to get rid of the uh, the tower things, it was like, screw that. I'm not stopping for challenges. I am I got a job to do. I'm, I'm Batman. There's a freaking See? tower that needs to be taken down. <laughs> screw that Riddler shit. I'm not doing that. I was like the Penny Arcade comic, like, ooh, shiny. <laughs> I was initially, and then I had to stop because it just, again, it was too much. There's, You could spend your time doing nothing, and then somewhere there's a freaking phone that's ringing. And you know that if you don't get it, somebody's getting sliced up. There's, He's making a sandwich out of someone, so it's like, ah, oh, there's a phone. Now I got to go get that, too. I don't have time for freaking Riddler. Screw that shit. But you're Batman. Evil must be punished. I got so many evils I got to punish right now. Dude, my fist is getting sore from punching too many people. It's it's one thing after another. <laughs> Even the freaking shark took a belt to the nose before he took me down. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the museum part so far is a blast. Although I find it quite funny that apparently they didn't spot check all of the subtitles because Mr. Freeze apparently is referred to in subtitles as Mr. Fries. So <laughs> Isn't that how his name is? Oh, that, that's how his name is actually spelled, though. Like sometimes, you know, Victor, yeah, but, Victor Freeze is F R I E S. But sometimes his they supervillain name is F R E E Z E. Okay, because sometimes I'm sure I read Mister Freeze and Mister Fries. They they pronounce fries freeze because they can. Well, okay, but ah uh, well, it came out because it's a funny comic stupid. book from yeah. like seventy years ago. All right. <laughs> Anyways. Having a blast with it. Um, it's funny because they've been talking about some complaints that people have had about language in it. And I got to tell you, honestly, I noticed it. It didn't bother me at all, but it definitely is noticeable. Somebody say something. It yeah, is noticeable, but <laughs> at the same point, um, I didn't think I paid too much attention to it until actually reading about that. And then I went back as like, wow. They really do use the word bitch a you lot. You didn't notice it? Oh, dude, I noticed no. it immediately. Like, the first time was, they I, dropped Dude, I'm running around screaming, I'm Batman in my apartment. I mean, what, I mean, what do you expect? Oh, I, I, I did. Notice at that point. I, I did. I The first time they, they one of them said that, it, and which is right away at uh, Catwoman, if I'm not mistaken, right at the beginning of the game. And it's yeah. like, okay, that's going to be the tone of the game. <laughs> I'm all right with that, but. And I mean, freaking Penguin, dude, <laughs> he, he, he's like holding back the F-bombs, that son of a bitch. <laughs> and it kills like, me that that's freaking Nathan Drake. <laughs> yeah. Like, at the top, like, I noticed it, but I didn't really. But there there were two parts in the game where it was like every 20 seconds, like every random speech one of the, 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 the thugs made had the word bitch in it. Like, it was uh, one point in, uh, I think it was the steel mill where like they're holding the nurse hostage and then at the very end of the game uh the last catwoman mission like it was like constant bitch 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 and whatever like i it's a, it, there are far worse words they can use but i mean if if somebody took offense to it i can't fault them for that but there there i i will say there were two points that i noticed where at at best it was lazy writing 
Well, I actually have been playing this with my son, and we're in some games, the language does actually bother me if I'm playing with him, and I'm thinking, yeah, he's getting older. I, I know he's hearing worse at school and all that, but still, you know, some things um, you can still, as a parent, not shelter from, but decide what's appropriate and what's not. And But even this one, it didn't bother me. It wasn't that big a deal. And it, and it I found it fit too. I think that had they tried too hard to curtail the language, that it wouldn't have come off quite as grisly. And I like that grisly feeling in the game. I like that it feels like you are in this cesspool kind of thing. And, and stopping just short of dropping F-bombs. So I'm all right with it. I've, I've been loving it all of the freaking voice acting even when you're just flying over near and people talking it's been great and so yesterday if you guys didn't know on holidays you want to go back and talk to calendar man now i didn't know that until today i'd already gone and <laughs> talked to him and he didn't have much interesting to say at the beginning of the game so i was like all right whatever i'll come back to you for you when i want and i didn't realize though that you should talk to him on holidays now Spoiler, spoiler. I'm not going to play the clip. Spoiler. <laughs> but I'm going to actually play it if you guys want to hear it because what happens is that he has some things to say to you if you show up to him on Halloween. And instead of me freaking backing up my clock on my Xbox and, and all that, screw that shit, I'll just go to G4. So here's what happens when you talk to him. So listen up. It seems redundant here. Within these walls, the monsters are on display year-round. Of course... There was that one year Joker let a breakout on All Hallows' Eve. What a wonderful night. Costumed revelers innocently partying alongside killers and fiends. Of course, the real screams came when it was time to unmask. Trick or treat. Creepy! Well, actually, while we're on the subject of cool hidden stuff, um, I was just informed of an awesome Easter egg that I missed. Uh, and if you're playing through the game now, you can still catch it, but you can only get it at a specific point. It's uh, right after, and I'm trying to do this without spoiling anything, right after Batman drinks a certain liquid, let's just say. <laughs> right after that, go back into the... Uh, the upper subway tunnels that connect with the sewers. And that is the only point in the game where you can actually meet and talk to killer croc. Oh, yep. Okay. I'll have to remember that then. Cause that's not, that's not the natural progression of the game to go there next. So I missed it. Okay, cool. Actually, yeah, I'll check that out. The, the freaking subway area was cool as hell. That's what I was doing yesterday. So I'm bouncing all over the damn place. And again, I'm having a ton of fun with the con, the, the combat system. I finally got my freaking combos down pat now. I'm freaking <laughs> flying up I in the air and shooting those batarangs at everybody. I was like, oh, I'm Batman. It's awesome. <laughs> so, Joe, how much further have you gotten into it now? Now that you got uh, your Xbox back. Now that I got my Xbox back, um, I have been tainted with the Joker's, you know, personal brand of crazy. Yep. And now I'm going after Mr. Freeze, and that's about as far as I got because I'm having a little bit of difficulty. I'm probably going to have to actually drop the difficulty down. I was like, oh, I could play this on the hardest one. That'll be fine. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> that many armed guards equal Joe frustrated. So I'm going to be uh, bumping it down a little bit, I think. I'm just so. playing a normal, and I'm finding it's just fine. 
I, yeah, I've only, uh, that's what I'm going to have to do. I've only died a couple of times in combat. Most of the time, combat's a joke. Um, even if they have weapons, it's not too, too bad. Because you can always escape, too, and smoke pellet out. But it's it's a damn shark. It's, <laughs> <laughs> that's where I've died the most. I've died three times there, bastard. So you kept, like, stepping off the freaking platform or missing it. And missing and like, the whole thing. It, oh, man. And it took me a while to figure out, too, because what I was yeah. thinking, when you're in there... Okay, spoiler. Uh, when you're in there... You got to use detective mode, and then there's all of these um, the, the metal loops that are throughout. And what you're supposed to do, and that's where you would anchor, not anchor, but tie your boat up to, and things like that. What you got to do is you got to use your 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 bat claw thing, and then snatch onto it, and then pull. Well, what I'm thinking is because you're walking on very very thin ice. So what I'm thinking is, okay, you got to break part of the ice so that you're on a floating ice cube or little platform because I hadn't noticed the two platforms that are yeah. there <laughs> and one of them is like you can't really get through I don't know if you can or not and the other one's hanging <laughs> there's a tip folks okay you can figure that one out on your own but so I was trying to break the ice so, so I'm running around I'm jumping and I'm figuring okay it'll slice off at one point and even if I get in the water I'm faster than Mr. Sharky there I'll jump on that <laughs> lickety split I'll be on that platform of ice no you don't get that option you fall in the water you are shark bait so that's where I died please there there was a point in the game where I was trying to get one of the, the Riddler trophies and at this point I'd been collecting so many of them I was absolutely overthinking everything I was about ready to walk away and my 10 year old nephew solved it in like three seconds he walked in and went oh just do that I was like no that's not gonna son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> the, the game messes with you like it puts the it makes the solution so obvious sometimes that you you, you just don't get it and see that's when I'm I'm doing them if they're plain obvious there is like okay otherwise i'm well, not even the stuff throughout the game like the freaking platforms i i i was in that room for like 10 minutes like what do i do well that's oh. the thing <laughs> and of course what kills me is you get into the freaking museum okay now here you've been all over arkham city you've been in different buildings and shit like that and you're freaking bat battering er, not battering your back claw thing you can hook that thing onto anything Okay, anything. <laughs> Apparently, even the freaking helicopters flying by. Of course, I haven't been able to pull that off. But anything. You get into the freaking museum, there's next to nothing you can hook on to. The huge freaking dinosaur. Apparently, you can't hook on to it. You're in that room. There's stuff all over the place. You can't hook on to it. No, no, no. You have to walk on the thin ice. Bullshit. That I don't like. When they do writing <laughs> like that, where it's like so obvious we're shoving you onto thin water when everywhere else you can grapple. Nah, I hate that crap. Come on. But it, it is still a fun section, and the museum so far has been a blast. I just, I'm just i looking forward to actually finding Freeze. I haven't found the bastard. So I went to the very end where the penguin's got his freaking gun, and, he's, and you're, like, getting lathered with ice. And, uh, and so I'm trying to find Freeze now. I haven't actually found him. Don't tell me where he is. Okay. Okay. What do you mean, okay? You, you haven't even gotten that far yet. Are you cheating and, and checking guides? No, hell no. All right. So then you don't know either. All right. Okay. We're going to get off of Batman because that's enough for now. Aww. But expect that we will be talking about this often as we're going along because quite honestly, it has been that much fun. And what I am loving is the fact that I'm not feeling at all like I 
spent too much money on the game being brand new there has been that much content and i'm not even all doing all the freaking riddler challenges like you have and i'm still finding like i'm getting my money's worth from this game all right well you guys got a week and a half before skyrim so uh pick up the pace uh, never gonna happen there's just no way i can finish this by skyrim especially joe and i are both doing the national novel writing month so yeah. november is going to be ballistic for us as it is just with writing so the gameplay is going to slow down a little bit thankfully i've been playing well worth of anything so that's fine but uh oh dude i the, did you see the video that they put out for skyrim that showed the progression from the concept art to the actual uh scenes in the game yeah i'll have to find it, it. looked really oh my really cool. god it's what i love is and and like most people i mean for the most part we love concept art it, it, that's when the artists are the most free with their ideas of what they can put into a game it hasn't yet gone through the process where someone higher up on the food chain is saying no that wouldn't work or whatever kind of thing and then gets diluted into the form that we eventually see in the game and here you're seeing how close they stuck to the actual concept art and it's showing you those scenes in in skyrim and dude it was amazing it really was it really was gorgeous and just to see the transition was really really awesome so yeah it's gonna be yeah i, I mean i'm gonna play it come september 11th but it's gonna be bloody hard <laughs> not playing too much because again i we we have to write. <laughs> so I, don't I'm worry, guys. The same thing, damn it. I will take one for the team, pull the extra weight, and play the video <laughs> games. You know what though? If we can, get, if I can get myself to forty thousand words by then, which is not in the realm of the impossible, then I'll play the crap out of the game because <laughs> I'll deserve <laughs> the break. You only got to write fifty thousand in the month. We can do that, no problem. Okay, Hopefully. let's let's move away from there now. Um, we got some very, very interesting and news from Nintendo. Shit that never happened. And that is that they're reporting a freaking loss. Nintendo doesn't report a loss. And they sure as shit never reported a loss like this. If I'm not mistaken, the exact figure was $986 million loss. That would be the, that this, would be the total. Yeah. I mean, that's damn close to a billion billion in losses for this quarter the last quarter they've never experienced a loss let alone a loss this huge and a lot well, of people are saying that it is because of the 3ds they pumped so much money into that hoping that it would be the next big thing and it flopped for a lot of reasons well, here's the thing. It's not actual loss, loss, right? Um, if you read into it, it's actually they did not make anywhere close to the projected income. And that's how much short they fell of the projected income for the last year. Are you absolutely certain? Because I read loss, I, not I projected loss. To, I happen to have met somebody who works at Nintendo and did a little probing. Um, but yeah, that's it was basically they kept readjusting their projected earnings. Um, and it just kept getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, and they still didn't go low enough to actually compensate it. Um, they expected a lot more sales of the 3DS. Um, they also expected to have more third-party titles out by now, uh, which obviously isn't happening. Um, so they lost that revenue, which they were counting on. Um, it's 
it, it's bad, but it's not as bad as, you know, it had been like pure income lost right straight from the company pocket. Um, so it's it's bad and not bad all at the same time. I would have to do some more digging to 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 find out officially, not to say that I don't trust your source, but unless he worked in payroll, um, I find it hard to believe because of all the official reports that came out from Nintendo saying it was a loss. I'm, I find it hard to believe that this is a projected loss instead. And yeah. especially Let's considering see. the huge pay cut that Iwata took, as well as the others under him, because of the loss from the 3DS. And that was, what, a month, two months ago now? So, two months, yeah. I mean, they're, this, they're not doing well. And, no, they're not. Well, they're not. They're not doing well. Now, in in some fairness, a good chunk of that quote loss has to do with uh, just how strong the Japanese yen is in comparison to you know the Western uh, currencies right now. You're they, 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 yeah. Let's My loonie's doing fine. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> doing okay. <laughs> Your monopoly money is worth a couple bucks. But yeah, they, like, I, I forget the exact number, but I think they said like somewhere in the realm of about five hundred million of that loss can be attributed largely to conversion rate issues. Yeah, I yeah, didn't I read they that said, as well. They said it was, what, $264 million is what the actual loss is going to be for the fiscal year, which is still pretty awful because that's the first red year that they've had since 1981. Yeah, another 12 or 15 years like this, they may be in some trouble. I know. Jesus. <laughs> they might dip below Sony. Think they are. Sony? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> let's actually talk about a little bit of the Vita news that we got as well, because you may think that you're only going to be spending, you know, 250 bucks <laughs> on it's a nice Vita. To think that. It, it's I think it's a very pretty fantasy. It's very good marketing is what it is. Oh, look at the price. It's below the freaking 3DS. You're only going to be spending 250 unless... You want to actually save some of your games, yeah. or any of them. I, I, how many was it, Vince? I, I forget the exact numbers, but it was it was important at least ones, half, like if Uncharted. Not more. Um, yeah, Disgaea, unless you, <laughs> unless you uh, want to play Racer. Uncharted it, from beginning to end in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it was basically any of the games you're really going to want come launch day. <laughs> so you yeah. know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when. The Nintendo 64 first came out and the cartridges didn't have safe space on them and you had to buy like the memory packs and they were super bloody damn expensive. But they never yeah. told you that you actually had to buy the memory packs for it until after you already bought like the that system, the controller business. and the games. Yeah, that was a very... I very couldn't actually play Christmas. any of the games for like a week after I had the Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't save anything. I was awesome at that first level though, let me tell you. <laughs> We're at a point that this shouldn't be happening anymore, though. This is this is absolute yeah. stupidity. And I understand what they're saying about wanting to protect, you know, the anti-piracy, and that's why they have yeah. to use their personal freaking memory. It'll just memory take thing. an extra day to crack it now. That's the thing. It's going to be cracked. There's no way that you can stop it. And I think that it's important for these guys, hardware manufacturers, to just realize that from the get-go. I understand you want to fight some of that through firmwares and all that, but when it begins to actually affect the hardware then we've got a problem and when it's a marketing ploy like this where it's a you know that that bait and switch oh yeah you can have this oh but you're going to need this you know hundred dollar memory card to go along with it if you actually want to save your games 
Suddenly, yeah. your 250 console it actually costs you 350. And because yeah, it's that at the proprietary bullshit, yeah, it's way too expensive. Had they put a freaking smart card in there or something else, then... You know, like the PSP was able to do, you know. Yeah, then you could do a lot... Well, no, the PSP was a proprietary... The memory thing stick. Too. Well, it wasn't memory proprietary, but a damn well it, it was, as well. No, it was. It was a Sony proprietary stick. That yeah. Eventually, but, they, but it, it was at least you could use it on some cheap. other devices. On Sony phones or Sony, yeah. uh, Sony cameras. cameras. But it was Sony. And, yeah. So it was yeah. a proprietary Sony thing. I but mean, still, it was a lot cheaper than this shit. Oh yeah, yeah this is yeah. <laughs> oh this is stupidity. And and I would spend twenty dollars on a you know twenty on a proprietary saved you know drive or stick to stick in there, or you know a hundred dollars. I'm sorry, there's a definite difference there. Well, I have no clue what the hell they're thinking. The thing too is that you're going to need something that's big enough because most people, I'm guessing, are going to still want to be downloading. A lot of the games because you're going to be paying less for the downloaded versions than you are for the ones that are at the the retail shops so you're going to need that space to actually download your games to them part of the advantage of being able to download them too is that you can have multiple games on one stick so that you can play several while you're out without carrying a freaking bag with all your, your umds freaking discs so here now instead well no if you want to be able to do that then you're buying one of the larger sticks plus it's a multimedia device. You're going to want music on there. You're going to want TV movies. shows, movies. You're going to want videos, different things on there. Not on a freaking four gigabyte stick, you're not. <laughs> you, Jesus, you can't put anything on that. Or even just keeping it in gaming terms. If you want to play a game like uh, Little Big Planet or Mod Nation Racers, where so much of the oh, content dude. in the game is downloadable. Come on. Yeah. Ugh. Here, yeah. It's going to come to the point where you're not going to want to pay... For the extra little Sackboy costumes, because, you know, eventually too many download things are going to take up too much space. That's well, here's just piss-poor marketing stupidity. Fix it, Sony. <laughs> it's awful. But you can get the bundle. You can get the bundle. <laughs> All right. What else do we have in Sony news here? Uh, do, 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 the pre-order thing that you were talking about, Joe. Uh, yes. Uh, you can actually... Uh, the Sony Vita release is going to be um, capable of handling the pre-order demand. That's what one of the things that they were talking about. Um, apparently, even despite all the news, people are still pre-ordering it. Go figure. Um, Sony's director of hardware marketing, John Kohler, uh, said that the company had to change its plans as the new system has drawn quite a bit of attention and pre-orders. Um, since E3 in particular, they've increased production. Uh, the original release date was actually going to be December 17th, and it will still be available on that date in Japan. North American customers will be able to play the system a week before the February 22nd launch date. So they've moved up production enough that they can actually go, um, you know, before their intended release date, which is kind of cool. But you're only um, going to be playing one game. But you can only play one game. <laughs> yeah. 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 The comes out on the 17th, so the games come out on the 22nd. Yeah, we're giving you guys an extra week with this one game. We want you to be really, really good at it before you can afford to buy the save stick so you can play other games. And it's, it's going to be stupid freaking game. It's the little Deviants game thing. It's like, oh, come on. I mean, at least put out Uncharted the week before then. And then there's a reason like, damn, yeah, I'll play that one week early. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's 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 would be a lot more exciting news if it wasn't for that whole memory stick debacle. And I'd be like, oh, great, I get to play it a week early. I'm going to have so much fun. But I'm not, you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's one of those things where 
I'm just going to wind up waiting now to buy the PS Vita until everything's all w- worked out and, you know, somebody hacks it so they can use a third-party memory that doesn't cost me $100. Well, that ain't going to happen because yeah. it ain't going to fit in that slot. So you're going to have to use what they're making. And I'm, in all honesty, was, I'm with... That's what somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, somewhere it's, along it's the way. in there. <laughs> I, In all honesty, I was really gung-ho on picking this up, not pre-ordering it like this because again you really you're getting for an extra week but you can only play one game it's not worth (laughs) it that's that's oh my god but anyways but this freaking memory card thing suddenly now it's not a 250 dollars device it's a 350 dollars device that's a big difference that's That's, huge difference i I wouldn't buy the, the the 3ds for 300 i'm not buying the vita for 350 i'm sorry so, yeah, it's basically going to be something that I now am waiting for. And that really pisses me off to no end. So, anyways, moving on from there now, let's talk a little bit about Star Wars The Old Republic. We've gotten a little bit of news on that. Some of the NDA restrictions have been kind of lifted, not all. I know the Vince can't really talk about it. Um, I can talk about you. Well, can you, Rod? I don't care. What are they going to do? They lifted some of the NDA. I don't care. Um... So we can talk a little bit about it, but there was also some news about it, first of all, where EA was saying that they're going to try to ease some of the concerns about the release of that as well, because people were getting a little afraid of the staggered release that they were talking about. Yeah, they were talking about um, having it so that when the game was going to be launched, that they would actually ration off the launching so that they could control the flow of copies of the game where they went, um, but also make sure that the servers didn't quite overload. I mean, if we all remember seven years ago when WoW launched, they sold 240,000 copies of the game, and they weren't even prepared for that. Servers were already bursting on the first day. Um, This game, which is probably one of the most anticipated of all time um how many people pre-ordered this already i think it was like it's it's got to be seven hundred and fifty thousand, and that's only at retail in north america okay so that that's seven hundred fifty thousand people in one region um not counting yeah, digital not counting yeah. digital um i can understand why they're a little concerned about server stress and game stability and people actually getting to play um, originally, there was a rumor that the pre-orders would be capped at 500,000 players, with only the first 50,000 players guaranteed access, with the rest queued in a waiting list. Um, the president of EA Labels, uh, Jabot, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. What, am, am I doing that right, Raj? Jabot, Jabot, um, said it was necessary to ensure the online experience runs smoothly at launch. Um, basically, the concern is, at launch, with the potential of millions of people ordering this game, how many are exactly going to be allowed to play that very first day? No further statement has been made, um, but they're trying to say everybody will get their chance to play. You just might have to wait in line. Well, I'm expecting a freaking queue. Uh, You'd be a fool not to expect a queue. And I'm not saying I'm all right with that because I think that we are in a time where part of your cost should be to server space so that you could accommodate the the you know a very very high percentage chance that you're going to have a lot of people who are going to want to play especially a game like this to me trying to you know bottleneck your your revenue from people buying the game because you want to save money on server servers to me doesn't make sense you know what? Invest in your servers so that you can accommodate more people. It's already clear there's going to be 
a metric fuck ton of people who want to play this game. And see, and this is where I think we're going to get into the whole thing of the purse strings versus the developer. Um, the developers are putting their time into it. They're going to be, you know, they're pouring their heart into this game. And from what I've heard of from certain people that have gotten to play it, um, it's absolutely phenomenal. Every every detail that they've put into it, and it's the real deal. So with that in mind, you know, you know that if they had full control over it, sure they'd make sure that there were enough servers. But they're not the ones in control of it. It's Essentially, at this point, it's EA, and they're the ones that are going to be, you know, controlling how many servers, how much money they invest in it. I think it's just downright friggin' stupid, and it shouldn't really surprise me coming from EA because they've done a lot of stupid things in the last year, more um, questionable decisions, comments that are make absolutely no sense, and now this. Make the investment. Make the investment so that everybody can play up front. If you need to downsize, you can. Um, I believe it was Funcom. Uh, with Age of Conan, even though I hate the game, they had more server space than they needed at launch. They downsized. They didn't lose that much money out of it. Why not make that same gamble, especially with a IP you know is going to sell, that you have the numbers guaranteed for at least that one month. You'll make that revenue back based on those sales alone, and if people sub, sub for one more month after that, congratulations, you've made so much more money. Yeah, better to have the floodgates open in a case like this. Uh, a game where you're really not certain, okay, fine. I'm still not all right with it, but fine, I can appreciate it to a certain degree. But something like this, no. Now, before I let Vince actually talk here, there's just one more thing. Uh, there was actually a very, very interesting video with the good doctors from BioWare where they were talking about just what you were saying, where how some decisions are EA and some are BioWare and EA is the big evil one and all that. And they laughed and said, no, 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 no. We're EA too. We work EA. We make those decisions. So something like this, it's not big, bad EA making these decisions and all that. It's the good doctors as well. They're there. They're the ones that are making the decisions for their game. They're in that freaking board of directors. It's also them. So I lay the blame for this squarely on freaking Bioware as well. Bioware and EA together are making this call. And I think it's a piss poor one. Now, I'd really like to know where these rumors and these numbers are coming from because we had this exact same discussion a couple months ago. Uh, Joe, I think you had that episode off for some reason. And... This was right after the whole pre-order thing when they first mentioned that the supply at launch may be limited. And BioWare flat out has said, if you pre-order the game, you will be playing day one. Now, some pre-orders will start playing sooner than others because of the advanced access, but there is not going to be a waiting list to start playing the game if you actually own it. So, yeah, there might be queues to log on. I mean, that's just going to happen in an MMO. But if you pre-order the game, if you purchase the game at retail, you are going to be able to play it. And that's what a lot of these articles I've been reading have been saying, that uh, there's going to be a waiting list even if you have pre-ordered. That's Bioware has said that's not true. There is time for them to change their minds on that, though. I Just because they said it two weeks ago, don't make it so next week. And that much we know. And as it's getting closer... We've learned to, the hard way. Yeah, it's getting close to crunch time. I, I'm not above... You know, 
thinking that Bioware is above reproach and that they can do no wrong and all that. I have a lot of faith in this, and especially having played it too now, I have a lot of faith in what we're going to be getting. However, I do know that the potential for fail is there, especially considering that it's their first MMO. This is like when Blizzard started WoW. They'd never done shit like this, and they tripped, fell, tumbled, the guys behind them fell over them, there was a huge freaking mess initially. <laughs> it got better, but it took a very, very long time. So I'm expecting the same thing to happen here. Like, it would be nice if they'd learned their lessons from watching other MMOs, but it's quite obvious already from some of the gameplay that they haven't, that they're still putting in shit that was fixed in other MMOs years ago. And you have to remember also, uh, a lot of the development team on Old Republic was uh, borrowed from the Warhammer team when they uh, melded in with the whole Bioware EA you know, conglomerate. So if they didn't learn a lesson from the Warhammer launch, something is really wrong. Yeah. Now, that being said, let's talk about some cool shit that we saw. Ooh. And that is this freaking PvP video. Now, <laughs> when I saw this, dude, <laughs> I, I like the PvP. I like PvP that actually means something. And I saw this video and it was like, oh, dear Lord. I didn't get to play any PvP stuff when I played my weekend. and I was too busy playing cards. And so uh, <laughs> I saw this video and it was like, fuck, dude, this looks awesome. And I just love how dynamic it is because we're going to use wow as the example so much of wow i mean it's you're standing there hitting your buttons or you're you know you're, you're stealthing around there, there's not a whole lot of variety to the gameplay you look at this shit you got people flying everywhere grappling hooks flamethrowers it, it's absolute insanity with all the various skills and play styles available to the different classes it's ridiculous at some points this is one of the reasons why I really want to do PvP in this game. It's also one of the reasons why PvP is one of my main draws for the game. Um, the fact that it's so dynamic and it has that sort of potential. Um, and it's different than everything that we've seen so far as far as like how exciting it can be. It's not I'm running through a tunnel with a you know flag on my back throwing lightning bolts. It's I'm grappling over here and then swinging down over here to snipe this guy on rockets. It's It's ridiculous and it's really excitingly ridiculous and that's what i'm looking forward to i i wouldn't put it above what we've seen for the pvp for guild wars 2 i still no. think that's going to be no yeah. way way better but that said this was really interesting looking the 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 thing too is that once again we do have to compare it to wow as well as any WoW, for lack of a better term, WoW clone. So the game, a game that has a very, you know, like Rift and things like that, that have that same type of feel to it in terms of gameplay and whatnot. And Star Wars The Old Republic has that same type of gameplay. So then what happens is that because it has that, in order for it to be something that really draws you, it needs to have other things that really stand out. And what I found, of course, was the story, was the the moral choices, was the even the companion stuff. And now when I'm seeing this, it's not necessarily the complexity of the battleground or the PvP, but just the interest level, the the amount of cool shit that you can do in it that will be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I mean, again, look at WoW. A warrior plays like a death knight, plays like an enhancement shaman, you know. In this one, your bounty hunter is not going to play anything like your imperial agent, and it sure as hell isn't going to be your, you know, your Jedi knight. So it's just the, the vast difference in play styles that we're seeing that's really setting this one apart in my eyes. And then to discuss the Old Republic a little bit. I mean, why the hell not? <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I didn't play all of the classes to very high level. I my the main one that I played was the Sith Inquisitor and I got her to level I want to say 16 or 17. Uh, I think it was 17. Might have been even higher in all honesty. See, I, I dude I can't remember last week. Okay. <laughs> this this was a few weeks back. But what I found was that having played some of the other ones as well because I played a smuggler for a little while, I played a uh, a counselor as well for a little while. I played the um oh, damn it the um a bounty hunter I barely touched, and the um, Imperial Agent as well. Um, my son played the Imperial Agent as well. He played a little bit longer than I did. And from what I'd read from other people and talked to other people as well, Imperial Agent actually was one of, if not the strongest, storylines in the game. What people have to realize is that uh, the Old Republic is nothing, <laughs> nothing like probably any MMO you've played in that you're not you don't feel like you're part of this whole big world or small world when you're first starting out kind of thing where you're doing the same quests as everybody else and all that there's a very secular feeling you feel like you are in your own little world and you're doing this even though you know that there's other people that are beside you doing the same quest and all that it's different you feel very much like you're it's your game, and it feels very much like Dragon Age and Mass Effect, especially Mass Effect, because you're going and you're getting that quest progression as you are going through, and you're getting all those cutscenes, which is not something that you experience in many other, if any other, MMOs. That's what they sold this game on, and it works. It really, really, really does work, because what it does is it sucks you in. Again, I was up till 3 a.m. one night playing, one morning playing, because I was so sucked into the storyline that I just could not, I couldn't stop playing. The story was so fun. It's the, it's the equivalent of watching an absolutely awesome movie, but then being told, okay, well, you, you know, it's You've been watching a half hour. You've got to stop now. No, you want to know where the story is going to go. And that's what this is. So the problem with that, though, is that if all of the stories aren't as strong or were not given as much attention, then you're going to notice that with some classes, it's not as much fun. Again, whereas when you're playing WoW and you are a freaking night elf and you are in that starting area, whether you're a warrior, a hunter, or whatever, you're doing the same quest. Well, not here. So the the problem is that there may be a class that you really want to play, and yet those quests for that class aren't going to be as much fun, the class quests. And that's very much what I found with the Consular. The counselor I found was nowhere near as interesting. And it's not because it was the light side versus the dark side, because I'm not, you know, the type of guy that says, go, I have to choose the horde because they're the only ones that matter. And the, the others are all pansies. No, I, I don't care. So, but I found that the consular questing, I personally, and see that it's very, very subjective. What I liked or disliked, will not be the same for everybody. So I found it was nowhere near as strong. When I played the smuggler, 
though a lot of other people found it a lot weaker, what I played of it, I enjoyed. I, but I didn't take it nearly as high level, but I, I, was, I was digging what I was doing. But then when I played the Sith Inquisitor, that's why I played that sucker so much and leveled that one so high. Because, dude, it was, it was just an absolute blast. The questing for the Sith Inquisitor was insanely fun. Now, the, the gameplay is very similar to a lot of other caster-type gameplay like you'd experience in WoW and whatnot. But the freaking questing, awesome absolutely incredible it was so much fun and so i think that that's going to be both the draw and the fall fallback for not fallback but the, the maybe disappointment for some players once they actually get to play because they may be gung-ho on playing a specific class and then find out when they're playing it that it's actually not as interesting as what they'd hoped simply because those class quests, which take up so much of your questing experience, at least from what I saw in those levels, isn't nearly as much fun. So again, that's going to be something that I think that people are going to bounce around a lot more. Of course, they are tweaking. They're working on all the quest lines to try to get them all up to the same level. But again, it's very much a subjective thing because it's a game experience. It's it's a it's a cinematic experience. It's it's something that is the equivalent of reading a novel or watching a movie. You're so much engrossed and part of it. So it's going to be far more subjective. But for me, I'm glad that I am sticking with the Sith Inquisitor when I play. And dude, I cannot wait to actually keep going from the point that it was at because it stopped. And it was like, oh, dude, I, I want to know what's going to happen. It's. And then the choices to, to go bad as a Sith Inquisitor, oh, dude, <laughs> I was just not a nice person at all. <laughs> and I had a blast doing it. But even then, some of the choices that they give you, you're like kind of going, hmm, just how much of a bitch is my character? Because this is not very nice. <laughs> so, Vince, you're not going to say anything because you're not actually allowed to say anything. That video was awesome. That video was <laughs> absolutely awesome. Before we move on, Joe, did you have any questions that I may be able to answer? No, I just really want to play my, my smuggler combat medic and my bounty hunter. I just want to play it now. Healing was interesting. I'll give you that. Um, the thing that I found with healing, however, is that picture healing, at least for what I experienced using some heals as my my Sith Inquisitor, although she wasn't heal spec kind of thing, but she could still do some heals. Um, picture healing in WoW early on without heal bot or anything like that. So you're hitting your F keys to bounce between your party members and then activating whatever spell. So it's going to be tricky healing in the Old Republic, because a lot of people who are used to healing classes now obviously are playing WoW and are used to healing using Grid, Healbot, or something of the likes. And you're not going to be able to use any custom-made add-ons for the Old Republic, so you're going to be stuck using the actual interface. Now, I didn't play, I didn't do any raiding, so I don't know if the interface changes if you're in a raid to make it easier to heal. Uh, I was in a group, though, and your F keys bouncing around to do your heals and all that. So it actually it actually looks like it would be a lot of fun for what's called heads-up healing. 
And that's kind of how I play anyway. So really exciting for me, especially for something like the combat medic, like the smuggler's going to have. Um, it just seems to fit better with that, where I'm actually like observing the battlefield and moving through and looking for the targets that way, as opposed to playing green bar whack-a-mole. And that's very exciting for me. Um, cause to be honest, I'm a little tired of green bar whack-a-mole. I am too. But that being said, I don't want to have to go back to what healing was six or seven years ago, because say what you will about the whack-a-mole, it's still an improvement over you know, what healing was back then. And unfortunately, that is what it feels like we might be experiencing. Now, I'm not going to say for sure, because point blank, I haven't done it. I didn't progress far enough, and I wasn't spec pure healing, and I didn't do enough groups that I'm going to speak as an authority on it. But I will be doing more of it once I get in. And uh, the prince in the audience, that's exactly right. What's happening right now is that we've got such... A huge leap forward in healing that we're seeing, like with the monk in Miss Pandaria, like what we're seeing with uh, the various classes in uh, Terra, that we're seeing other MMOs making that leap into making healing so much more interesting. And, and interactive. And interactive. And that's not the experience that I had the little bit of healing that I did. And again, maybe it's a different higher level, but from what I experienced, I can see myself playing a tank or a DPS far more than I will a healer in the Old Republic. Shut up and heal me. I'm going to go be awesome. All right, then. <laughs> I will be healing because when I'm going to be playing with my son, and he's already decided he's playing Bounty Hunter, and he loved playing Bounty Hunter during that weekend. So Bounty he's Hunters be, can heal. He's he's gonna let be, him heal. Yeah, he's going to be a tank. I've got no problem with that. And then our both of our companions can be just pure DPS. That way you don't have to micromanage them as much. Oh, micromanagement. Remember we were talking about that? Joe, it's awesome. <laughs> I can tell you now, it's freaking awesome. Okay? The only problem I had was that they're going to have to fix the UI interface because what happens is that as you're micromanaging, their bar shifts over to cover to go underneath your bar of icons. However, if you already have your bar splitting into two, you know some of the games will allow you to put an extra bar so it pops up, it covers the bottom bar. So you don't have your two and then under that, your companion, it actually covered. Now, maybe there's a way to move it that I didn't find in the settings, but I kind of looked and I didn't find that setting. So I'm hoping they'll fix that. Might not have been, it might not have been enabled yet either. Highly possible. That being said, I'm sure it's going to be something that they'll fix. They got to. It makes no sense not to. That being said, it was freaking awesome. To, it was so easy to micromanage your companion because the abilities are right there by yours. You've already learned yours. You're learning theirs as you go along. What's the difference between making clicking a button to make them do something or clicking your button to make you do something? You can do them all. It was, it was very cool. So that's why I'm saying for a, a, a small group, like when I'm playing with my son or if I'm partying with you guys and we just bring our companions, it's not going to be hard for us to do four-man content effectively if we're good at micromanaging our companions so very cool okay let's stop talking about that now let's move on that video was awesome that video was awesome <laughs> that video was awesome it actually was let's talk very quickly about Ashura's wrath and resident evil you want to talk about that joe 
Uh, yes, actually, I really, really did. Um, Capcom has finally set a release uh, for Asheron's Wrath and Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Um, Asheron's Wrath will release on February 21st, and the new Resident Evil will release on March 20th. Uh, both games will be for PS3 and Xbox 360. Um, Capcom has also tipped off people on the pre-order bonuses for Raccoon City, um, which if you pre-order through GameStop, Amazon, or Best Buy, you get an additional costume for each of the playable characters. Uh, so you get six costumes. Um, each retailer will have different costumes for all six people. So no matter where you go, you're going to get something individual and, and kind of you know nifty or whatever. And, you know, along with the thousands of other people that order from the same place you did. Um, <laughs> um, with special editions, you also get a steel book which with exclusive art, um, embroidered umbrella security service and special ops field unit patches and bonus weapons to use in the game. Uh, Resident Evil uh, Operation Raccoon City, which I like calling Orc, um, takes place during the events of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. Um, it's set back in the place that started it all, good old Raccoon City. Uh, players take on the role of an officer in the Umbrella Security Service. Uh, instead of destroying zombies and helping survivors, the USS is tasked with destroying evidence of Umbrella's illegal activities. Um, the game allows players to make major decisions, such as killing Leon Kennedy, who is one of the main characters in the actual storyline. Um, each of the six playable characters will have their own unique specialties, um, such as one character named Vector who has a cloaking ability and uh, another one who has the like, you know, specialty in explosives. She might be Irish. I don't know. Um, zombies also get a bit of an upgrade um, and have multiple ways of attacking players. Zombies will still grapple player uh, when they've gotten too close and players will have to shake the analog stick to avoid infection. Um, and players who are successfully uh, who are unsuccessful actually become invisible to the nearby zombies for a limited time as they're you know freshly infected. Um, and also when you die, you get to come back as a zombie or some other uh, bio weapon creature and go after your friends. Uh, honestly, and I hate to say this, I really want to play this game. It just sounds like a ton of fun. Eh, I'm with him. I uh, I don't know. There I haven't been cared about with, the last yeah. seven Resident Evil games. I don't know. It, On the other hand, <laughs> Ashura's Wrath has definitely just, caught my interest. That shit though, that freaky <laughs> Japanese shit has your name written all over it. <laughs> all right, there, Vin, there's Vince a, there's has a, a Catherine doll. It's actually the giant ass monster that he sleeps with every night. <laughs> I want to there's a, there's a cinematic of this fight on the moon, and at bare minimum, this game makes the most ludicrous anime you could ever conceive seem tame, and that just it it's that it's what I love. I, it's so ridiculously, ludicrously over the top, awesome. I can't help but want to play it. Okay. We're not going to spend too much more time on this because we are running late and we still have a couple of other things that we wanted to talk about. So we're actually just going to jump right into the news right now for Fall of Cybertron. Vince? Yeah, so in that feature, I talked about in more detail than we did a few weeks ago exactly why I'm so excited for this game uh, and how much I loved War for Cybertron and what made that so special. And really one of the things that made it so special was just the developer's love for the IP. So there was a great like 20 minute video of two of the lead designers just sitting there talking about the fucking Dinobots and how they really wanted to bring those characters back into the Transformers mythos. I mean, they really haven't been used well in 20 years. And it's just so great. They had to come up with 
a reason for the Dinobots to be in the game. The game still takes place on Cybertron. What the fuck is a Tyrannosaurus Rex to a Cybertronian? And they came up with what seems like a pretty crazy idea. And they said they, they took little elements of various Transformers lore uh, and various continuities, some stuff from some animated series, some stuff from comics that I thought I was the only person that read. And <laughs> they just kind of put it together into this crazy storyline where they talk about how the Dinobots are like the Autobots special forces they are the baddest of badasses on cybertron to the point where if grimlock wanted to he could be leader but he chooses not to and at some point they get captured by shockwave who well he's a mad scientist conducts experiments on them and turns them into basically his pets he has this menagerie of these wild transformers that he has messed with and twisted and put into these new strange forms and they talk about when you're playing as the uh, Dinobots in their mission segments, how when Grimlock first breaks out, he doesn't know what's happened to him. And over the course of his mission, he learns the extent of the things Shockwave did to him to the point where Grimlock has always had an interesting speech pattern. Uh, he's always been a more... Uh, <laughs> Intellectual type. Yeah, but they say that they, they didn't want to make Grimlock an idiot in this game. Grimlock is a general. He's still intelligent, but he's been fucked with so bad he can't quite communicate. The words are in his head. So he just can't get them out. Yeah. <laughs> and they go on and say, like, all of them have been messed with to various points. Uh, Swoop loves it. He loves his new form and all the crazy stuff he can do. Whereas, meanwhile, Sludge, the Brontosaurus, I'm not going to call him an Apatosaurus. God damn it, science. <laughs> he, he was like he seems the one that's really the most um, affected by it. And it's going to be really interesting to see the story. And then they go on to talk about it in a gameplay point of view. At its core, War for Cybertron is still going to be a third person shooter. The Dinobots don't shoot. Grimlock has a sword and a shield. As they explain, his ranged weapon is picking up a Decepticon and throwing it. So it, and they had to meld it into the gameplay. I'm I'm expecting some freaking Space Marine awesomeness in this game now because you put melee gameplay into a shooter, going to be a blast. Yes. And how his alternate form obviously isn't a vehicle. It's a T-Rex and how they had to implement that in and how he is so much more powerful in T-Rex mode. Shockwave had to put an inhibitor in him and any of the other characters you play, you tap a button, you transform, you go off. That's not how Grimlock works. Every character also has a special ability that they can activate by earning energy. Well, Grimlock earns rage. Once he's earned enough rage, he can overcome the limiters, transform, and turn into fucking Godzilla and just wreck shit until he runs out of rage. And it's just, it's just seeing these two guys, the love they have for the franchise, the amount of thought they've put into taking these fan favorite characters and not just putting them into the game, implementing them into the game has me very very excited and then on top of that they, there's another article about how they had to work closely with hasbro to you know keep the line and check and they start talking about the action figures and i'm gonna fanboy out here and say now the Warf you're saying you're, well, you're implying that you're only just starting now to fanboy yes okay that was nothing all right the the four war for cybertron action figures that were released in the generations line are some of the favorite Transformers I own. Yep. And I would say some of the best I have bought in years. So if they can deliver that quality of figure in the Dinobots, 
You can have oh, yeah. all of my money because I I have never liked a Grimlock figure. I own several. And short of the $120 Masterpiece version, they all kind of suck. So if you can give me an awesome Grimlock action figure, please do it. I'm with Vince on this one, and I can't freaking wait. The idea of playing as not just, you know, one or two, but all like having all of them there, you know, where some of the other storylines have like, oh, this one just happens to disappear now. We don't know what happened to him. He's just not part of this universe anymore. Poor um, Sludge was only in the movie for two frames. I know. <laughs> and he was cool. <laughs> oh. But no, I mean, having all of them be there and I want seriously all of them represented in toys because I will buy every single one of them. I absolutely will. And I will put them next to Sergeant Cup, who's sitting on my desk. And just check out the the link in the show notes. They have some awesome concept art up there, and they're doing it well. They're doing it right. So uh, much respect to them for that. It will be interesting to see what they do with it, because though I didn't finish the first one, I did play it. And uh, my son played right through and finished it, and we watched him playing in it. And it it handled well. It played really well. It was a ton of fun. Um, I loved the various PvP kind of stuff that was in it as well. The mm-hmm. online multiplayer stuff. I love the way they implemented it. So I am interested to see how much they will have improved upon that for this one now. And cheesy eighties, butt rock. <laughs> Alrighty. So let's talk now finally about Reckoning because actually there was a video that was literally just on today and that was at 5 o'clock and it was the designers that were talking about Fate and Destiny and although I didn't watch it, Vince did so you're going to give us the recap on that. Okay, yeah, 5 o'clock we had Reckoning Live Part 2 and I'm going to come out and say uh, YouTube really dropped the ball on this one. Uh, the first live stream went flawlessly. Something went amiss because the stream was garbage and it was definitely on youtube's end because like the comments weren't working right it was stuff that was out of uh big huge games control but anyway where i was able to get enough knowledge out of this to be very uh happy uh it was hosted by kevin johnson uh who is one of their lead community guys and actually started off with uh their community manager 38 studios 38 studios 38 studios big huge games it's yeah they're both working on the game i thought these guys were from 38 studios though the big huge games is a portion of 38 studios okay it's that's what it said under their names on the screen <laughs> big huge games okay <laughs> stop making fun of me guys <laughs> keep going we're on a roll <laughs> <laughs> they, they first started off with um, a bit of a, a chat with Jess Folsom, who is their community manager, discussing a lot of the community events they do. And they do a lot of stuff I didn't know about, stuff that I'm going to have to start looking more into. And they showed off this awesome McFarlane troll statue. So there's your special edition fucking bonus, another goddamn statue. Not going to have We're going to come back to that. <laughs> Anyway, the actual uh, bulk of the cast was about the concepts of destiny and fate in the game. And it started off with uh, the trailer they just released uh, last week, The Next Hero's Guide to Amalur, about destiny and fate. And it starts off just uh, re-explaining a lot of stuff we already know. I'm not going to waste too much time on that, about how you've died, you've been reborn, fate no longer has any control over you, blah, blah, blah. Listen to the previous episodes. 
Okay, they even go on to accentuate their design choices with classes in the game, or rather the lack of classes. As they explain in a lot of games, you pick a warrior at the beginning, you're a warrior for the whole game, and that's not how they wanted to choose it here. The example they gave was as two was the two rogues example, and I'll explain that. Let's say, Roger, you played Oblivion as a rogue, and... Joe, you played Dragon Age as a rogue. You both really liked rogues, but the two rogues are very different. So if the two of you want to play Skyrim as a rogue, somebody's going to be disappointed. And that's not how they wanted to design it. They really wanted you to play the game how you want and then have the game sort of design itself around you. And we've talked before about the destiny system. The destinies are these tarot card type items that the player can choose to customize their, quote, class. And they've been showing off all the various destiny cards on their uh, Facebook page, and it's Probably the one reason I've ever looked at Facebook just to see these. The art on these is freaking awesome. If you're going to do a special edition bonus, I want these cards. You can keep your fucking troll. Give me a deck of these cards and I'll buy your special cards. edition. I love yes. cards. <laughs> <laughs> no, the art is great and it's just really cool part of the game. How they want to improve RPGs. Altogether, and the one one of the reasons they're doing this is they want to avoid the blind decisions. For example, you have your character, you level up. Okay, do you want points in charisma or dexterity? Well, you might not know what the bonuses of those are, and you could potentially screw up your character for levels and levels down the line. Hence my abandoned level 18 mage in Dragon Age. They, they say, oh, yeah, you have to put points in your strength stat to increase your carrying capacity. Well, you might not care about that early on in the game. And then you come later in the game and you have you know dragon bones and heavy suits of armor and you're completely fucked because you haven't increased your strength stat and that's not how they want to do it they don't want your stats to decide what's major for you in the game they just want you to play the game and let the game work itself around you they say it's been influenced by a lot of japanese rpgs and they're trying to bring some of those ideals into the western market and how your characters are just going to grow organically they uh, give some details on the actual destinies, which we haven't seen before. We just knew they're kind of there. You choose your skills, you unlock destinies, you pick one. Well, the destinies, how they really change the game is they replace your common skills with more specialized versions. For example, if you play a mage or even a hybrid mage type class, it replaces your dodge roll move, if you're a pure melee class, with the blink teleport spell. And they further classify that. If you're a pure mage, as you level up and gain higher levels of your destiny, your teleport spell is going to have a freezing effect on the enemies. Whereas, for example, if you're a mage-rogue hybrid, it's going to have a poison effect. And it's just it really melds itself to how you're playing the game. They talked about some of their favorite destinies. Um, Will's favorite was just the simple jack-of-all-trades destiny. And he talks about how it at the highest tiers, it gives you the Master of Arms skill that actually grants your character access to every weapon type, which would otherwise be locked off through one type of destiny or another. But if you choose to go everywhere, at if you follow that path, you will be rewarded at the end. Uh, Ian's favorite was the Shadowcaster, a top-tier rogue-mage hybrid. If that's his favorite, it's got to be pretty freaking awesome. And then they get into the fate side of things, uh, the twist of fate, which is something that I hadn't heard of before this. There are passive bonuses granted by quest lines. You accomplish a quest line, and as a reward, you will be granted these twists of fate. And they're going to differ depending on the decisions you make throughout the game. 
if you choose to go with one type or with uh, one allegiance over another, you're going to get a different twist. And this is what really starts to make the game interesting for me. None of the twists are going to be bad. They're all going to be positive in some way. But they might not necessarily be in line with how you've been leveling your character. Let's say, for example, you're doing a quest line for the House of Sorrows and you're a big warrior type and your twist of fate is to increase your ice damage. Well, you're not using ice damage, but that's possibly a way for the game to encourage you to try out other ways. You'd start putting some points into mage skills, start changing your character, start doing different things with the game. It's not going to be negative. As a matter of fact, it can have you look at the game in a whole different way and end up changing how you want your character to be. I find that really interesting. So it's not going to be, let's say, for example, oh, I'm, you know, I'm the big warrior. Which decision is going to be the best for my warrior? No, it's which decision do I want to follow through? And then how can I use that reward as part of my gameplay? I like that personally. What I like is that it also means that you're not having to rely on alts to make up your mm-hmm. time, your gaming time. The value of the game is not based on how many alts you're going to play, but just your one character. But then from there, you have all of the flexibility to play them however you want. Again, That's huge for me. Oh, yeah. A lot of games right now are making it seem as if, you know, you're saying, yeah, but I'm going to be spending X amount of dollars on this game. Yeah, yeah, but you're going to be able to play all of these alts. In some cases, sure, that's true. When you're looking at the Old Republic, there's such a diversity in terms of the gameplay. Now, not necessarily the gameplay, but the game as you're playing different alts. But for other games, no, it doesn't really make that big a difference. And so the alts should not be part of that equation. I like that this here, no, they're not banking on you playing the game three times on various characters to make up your, your the bulk of the time that you're going to be playing the game. No, it's just your one dude is going to be able to do so goddamn much. I remember last time we were talking about the game when they had unveiled the Reckoning mode and how fucking awesome that was, right? Yeah. All right. Well, they explained exactly what's going on there. As you're going through the game and killing your enemies, that's not when these people were fated to die. So you're taking their leftover fate and absorbing it, and that's how you get to activate the Reckoning mode, which is a really interesting way of implementing that. That's very interesting, yeah. They go on, and if you play a pure mage class, the top-tier Destiny grants you a skill called Echo of Fate, where as you defeat the enemies, there is a random chance that that extra fate they leave behind will spin off and turn itself into a familiar to fight along your side. (laughs) Yeah, I knew. I knew. <laughs> exactly. No words are necessary there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the more we're hearing about this, the cooler it is. What I'm also liking is that there's a very, very good blend of insanely cool gameplay and insanely good story. And we're not seeing enough of those right now. I, I, I shouldn't say we're not seeing. No, we're not seeing enough. I mean, Batman stands out as fantastic in that regards. I'm quite certain Skyrim will as well. But I mean, really, there's a lot of games where you're getting either insanely good one or the other, but not really both of them. And so, well, that's also why I'm looking forward to playing Uncharted so much, because I'm hoping that, again, you're going to get that same kind of thing. So this is one of those occurrences where um, it really looks like there's going to be such a good blend of both the gameplay and the story. And I mean, again, the story has to be awesome based on the freaking pedigree of everybody who's working on it. And it's just that the the gameplay I'm, I'm happy to see is matching it in terms of how fantastic it looks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a couple 
other little tidbits they threw in at the end. Um, sometimes you're not going to want to use your strongest destiny available. Uh, one of the examples they gave was if you're that top, that pure mage, your teleport skill is going to have that frost effect. Well, what if you're going to fight frost giants? Frost isn't going to help you there. So at that point, you may want to switch to a different destiny and just by virtue of the quest you're embarking on, use a different play style that will be more effective. That's cool. And then just one other tiny little thing they threw out there, which is actually potentially huge from a character building point of view. You can custom name your crafted weapons and armor. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, nice. And at that point, the stream completely fell apart. So we missed the end. <laughs> All right. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, yet another game that we can't wait to to honestly be playing. The, the more I'm hearing about it, the more awesome it looks. So we're actually going to cut out at that, folks. Thanks you very much for uh, dropping by in the audience. And the podcast will be out in a matter of a day or two. And that will be available at For the Lore, same as usual. You can email any comments or whatever to ForTheLore at gmail.com. And, of course, on Twitter, at ForTheLore. Next week, because we're, we're on a roll here with not being on our regular night, <laughs> next week we're actually going to be recording either on Wednesday or Thursday. We'll let you know in advance. And that's simply because I won't be able available on monday and tuesday regardless we will have the episode out next week no later than friday so we'll talk to you then a couple weeks ago activision and high moon studios announced transformers fall of cybertron the sequel to last year's war for cybertron some of us here were incredibly excited to hear the news, as you well know if you listen to the episode. So I thought I'd take some time to explain just why this is such a big deal. Like any kid growing up in the 80s, I thought Transformers was just about the coolest thing ever. Several decades later, my feelings have hardly changed. Hell, I once wrote an article titled, Everything I Know About Being a Man, I Learned from Optimus Prime. So, while the Transformers franchise continued over the decades, reimagining itself every few years for each new group of kids growing up, the original Generation 1 would remain the standard by which all others were judged. War for Cybertron took that Generation 1 concept and reimagined it for a modern audience, serving as a sort of prequel to the original animated series. The game itself was decent. It was a fairly standard third-person shooter with solid controls and plenty of bad guys to shoot. The transformations were quick and smooth, actually enhancing the gameplay for the first time in the franchise's video game history. The flying missions were especially fun in that regard, with lots of quick switching back and forth to balance firepower with maneuverability. The campaign was divided into two acts, with the first following the Decepticons and the second following the Autobots. Each act consisted of five missions, which may seem short, but each mission was a decent length and I was pleased with the overall length of the game. It had a great pace and the boss battles were epic, taking on enemies hundreds of times your size. The story was inspired by the Generation 1 cartoon, but took its own liberties with certain aspects. It told a good story with familiar characters, treating the source material with respect. Of course, it's all the little things that made War for Cybertron a great entry in the Transformers franchise. Part of what made the recent Batman games such a success is their voice acting, with Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill voicing Batman and the Joker, the same roles they performed in the Fantastic Animated Series. Well, the same holds true here, with Peter Cullen returning to voice the character he helped make famous Optimus Prime. 
Unfortunately, 20 plus years is a long time between voice acting jobs, so the rest of the original cast was not able to join in, though an all-star cast of top voice talent did the characters justice. Everything else about the game just evokes that perfect feeling of nostalgia. The character designs, the catchphrases, even the cheesy 80s butt rock were perfect fits. Quite simply, they did it right. So, Fall for Cybertron should be more of the same, right? No big deal? Wrong. High Moon Studios is giving fans of the first game everything they want. Ask any kid what's cooler, transforming robots or dinosaurs. It's a tough call. Transforming robot dinosaurs? That's quite possibly the coolest thing ever, and the fan-favorite Dinobots will be making an appearance in the sequel. How about five transforming robots that combine into one really big robot? It's in there, and I for one can't wait to see how it works out for gameplay. Fall of Cybertron takes all the nostalgia of the first game to the next level, and the six-year-old boy inside this 30-year-old man can't wait. I sent you the Vita stuff last, last week. week. This week you didn't send me any. That's Joe. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, I absolutely. Befruary. This week. <laughs> to play the system a week before the Befruary 22nd launch date. April. Will be April to play. What is wrong with you two that you can't pronounce freaking months of the year? November. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I had to look. <laughs> I played through most of the beginning, and then it wasn't there. So then I'm like skipping through, and then I'm going, I don't want to have to sit through the whole freaking thing again. I already do that when I'm editing. And so then I have to go through it again anyway, because I couldn't find the damn thing. Seriously, I spent a good 30 minutes, if not 45 minutes. It was worth it, but it took a while. I would say just keep a log of every time me and Joe say something incredibly stupid, but that would be a really big log. <laughs> Taking friends wherever you go. Yeah, they're my parents. They have to like me. No, actually, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've had four, I can tell you. You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to assume that came out of your mouth. You can assume uh, what yeah, you like. I'm going to keep assuming. <laughs> I don't miss enough deadlines. Yeah, I should write yeah, a book. Really. <laughs> How much time do you need for a Shura's Wrath? Bastard's not even listening. Screw you. Don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I has words to write. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only at 600. But I'm thinking that folks didn't mind that seeing as, you know, the NDA is not completely lifted, so any little morsel or at all is... is <laughs> I've read and seen videos no, of other no. sites talking about it. <laughs> I have. I didn't talk about well, they're any cheating too. I didn't talk about any specific quest lines or any specific <laughs> anything. It was an overall thing. There were videos oh, yeah. at okay. even like IGN and shit, and they were talking about overall opinions on the the trooper and different things. And so, but that's not NDA. That's their press release. <laughs> Man. All right. I didn't they say can't really do anything, record, Roger. I'm, I'm, I did I'm, not I'm, say no, anything. I do not. I had no input <laughs> into this conversation. 
Do you think you're covering yourself awesome. enough? <laughs> Such a pansy. You <laughs> Hey, there's less. I don't want to lose my access. There's only a couple. There's not even two months left. It doesn't matter. You're a jackass, and you're still jealous, and you're trying to get me to break my NDA so that they revoke it. So, I wasn't trying to do that. Not how tonight. Did you know, how did you not already know this? Come on. Screw you both. Ever since that first night, you've been trying. Not true. Not true. And I take offense to that. I really honestly do. Why, why would you think that of me? Because you're an old, mean bastard. But still, why would you think that of me? That has nothing to do with being an old, mean bastard. That's that has being, nothing to do with anything. That's being vindictive. And I wasn't. By your character standards, that's not who I am. All right, I'm slapping broadcast. You're a complicated man. I got layers. I'm like an onion. Or an ogre. This is what but I'm saying. But a parfait. Everybody likes a parfait. <laughs> oh, thank God I'm still recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm hanging up on you, jackasses. <laughs> that was the worst Eddie Murphy ever. Ever, for sure. So fine as she touched my head and what the chill I got. Her lips are like a volcano that's hot. I'm proud to say that she's my buttercup. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Mm -hmm.